giants would know their time had come. They would descend from their icy fortresses in the far north. The great wolf of winter would devour the sun, and light would never return. Of course, that was the belief in the old days, Jack thought, as he pulled on his calfskin boots. Now, with Brother Aidan in the village, people knew that the old beliefs should be cast away. The little monk sat outside his beehive-shaped hut and spoke to anyone who would listen. He gently corrected people's errors and spoke to them of the goodness of God. He was an excellent storyteller, almost as fine as the bard. People were willing to listen to him. Still, in the dark of the longest night of the year, it was hard to believe in such goodness. God had not protected the Holy Isle. The wolf of winter was abroad. You could hear his voice on the wind, and the very air rang with the shouts of frost giants. Surely it was wise to follow the old ways. Jack climbed the ladder to the loft. Mother, father, he called. Lucy? We're awake, his father replied. He was already bundled up for the long walk. Mother was ready too, but Lucy stubbornly clung to her covers. Leave me alone, she wailed. It's St. Lucy's day, father coaxed. You'll be the most important person in the village. I'm already the most important person in the village. The very idea, mother said. More important than the bard or brother Aidan or the chief. You need a lesson in humility. Ah, but she's really a lost princess, father said fondly. She'll look so pretty in her new dress. I will, won't I? said Lucy, condescending to rise. Jack went back down the ladder. It was an argument mother never won. She tried to teach Lucy manners, but father always undermined her efforts. To Giles Crookleg, his daughter was the most wonderful thing that had ever happened to him. He was forever cursed with lameness, both he and his wife, Alditha, were sturdy rather than handsome, with faces browned by working in the fields. No one would ever mistake them for nobility. Jack knew he would be just like them when he grew up. But Lucy's hair was as golden as afternoon sunlight, and her eyes were the violet blue of an evening sky. She moved with a bright grace that seemed barely to touch the earth. Giles, with his lumbering, shambling gait, could only admire her. Jack had to admit, as he stirred up the hearth for one last burst of heat, that Lucy had been through much in the past year. She had seen murder and endured slavery in the Northland. He had, too, but he was thirteen and she was only seven. He was willing to overlook most of her annoying habits. He heated cider and warmed oatcakes on the stones next to the fire. Mother was busy dressing Lucy in her finery, and Jack heard complaints as the little girl's hair was combed. Father came down to drink his cider. The cock crowed again. Both Jack and his father paused. It was said in the old days that a golden rooster lived in the branches of Yggdrasil. On the darkest night of the year he crowed. If he was answered by the black rooster that lived under the roots of the great tree, the end of days had come.
No cry shook the heavens or echoed in the earth. Only the north wind blustered against the walls of the house, and Jack and father relaxed. They continued to sip their drinks. I wish we had a mirror, came Lucy's petulant voice. I don't see why we can't buy one from the Pictish peddlers. We've got all that silver Jack brought home. It's for hard times, Mother said patiently. Oh, Pooh, I want to see myself. I'm sure I'm beautiful. You'll do, Mother said. In fact, Jack had more silver than his parents knew. The bard had advised him to bury half of it under the floor of the ancient Roman house where the old man lived. Your mother has good sense, the bard had said. But Giles Crookleg, excuse me, lad, has the brain...